another episode of Align with Lina. And today I have a wonderful guest that I know you're going to enjoy. Her name is Shannon Plummer. And she is a shaman. She is a coach. She is a teacher. And you know what's so amazing is um, I just recently met her. And that is because, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And she is really good friends with a friend of mine, somebody that I've had here on an interview before, John Stringer. And he introduced me to um, Shannon and her husband. And I introduced uh, or I interviewed her husband, Bob, a couple of weeks back. So you guys had the opportunity to hear him. Now you get to hear the other part of that couple. So please welcome uh, this amazing teacher. And we're going to have a wonderful conversation, Shannon. Thank you so much, Shannon, for being here with me. And this is really, really exciting because I get to interview so many people um, and we talk about their journeys, but with you being a teacher, being a shaman, doing so much of what I do, it's going to be fun to, to speak teacher to teacher and give some tips to folks about how this journey works. So hopefully we can uh, inspire some people. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm going to start with the same question that I start with everybody. When did you begin to realize that there was more to life than what you had been conditioned or programmed or domesticated or whatever word you want to use? This is this is what our family taught us that they thought is the way life is. But you begin to realize that maybe what they gave you wasn't all that there was. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's a funny question for me, because I don't um, I don't remember not feeling that, if that makes any sense. And totally. I have, I have tried so many times to go back to my childhood and say, now, when did it really happen? But, you know, as a kid, my, my Bob always says to me, gosh, you were not a normal kid. Like, <laughs> what were you doing talking to the trees? What were you doing talking to the grass before you cut the grass? Like, who does that? Like, what kid does that? I'm like, I don't know. I did. I thought everybody did it. I thought everybody saw beings and I thought everybody heard voices and I thought that was normal. So I didn't, um, I didn't recognize that that was not the norm until I was probably a teenager when people would you know, when you really start having conversations with your friends about life, like what's going on and what does this mean? And you have all these life questions and, and people would come to me and I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, well, of course, well, that's going to happen and that's going to happen. And, and what I realized was the imagery that I get is, is in the future. And I'm like, well, don't you see that? Like, isn't your, isn't your mind, isn't your imagination? showing you that and and they were like no no yeah not seeing that so that's when I recognized that something was going on that was very different um and I was also a questioner my parents um God love them both they were so instrumental in helping me be a questioner and not um, in a con conflict way, not wanting to be argumentative or anything like that. But they always, um, they always encouraged me to try to understand. Like, don't just hear it. Don't just know it. Think you know it. Like, try to understand it. And so they, um, they never, 
you know, set me, set me away when I ask too many questions or why this or why that or whatever. Well, let's try and find out the answer. Like, and what does it mean to you? And, um, and I've had a lot of questioning about religions. I was required to go to church every week, but I wasn't required to go to the same church every week. So if I stayed at a friend's house, it was okay if I went with them or, you know, I would go to the, with the neighbors to their church or what have you. So I started receiving a lot of different philosophies and I'm like, well, everybody's saying the same thing. Why are they in different buildings? I don't understand this, you know? Um, and then I, you know, I, I will question a lot. And, you know, I remember growing up, my mother was um, raised Roman Catholic. So I did the catechism. I did the, you know, that type of after school, you know, meeting with the priest to learn about stuff. And I remember questioning him one time and he got so frustrated with me, threw the Bible down on the table in front of me. And I was like, yeah, maybe this isn't the right place for me. <laughs> so, so, you know, there was always kind of this questioning and an awareness at some point that not everybody was getting the imagery and hearing the things that I was hearing. And then I was like, well, I guess I shouldn't do it. Well, what do I do with it? You know, why, what makes me so special? You know, all of those questions. And then finally being able to come back into that and be able to say, it's, it just is what it is. So it's either a gift or a curse. And I'd like to use it as a gift. That is so beautiful. I um I can relate to the the Catholic part because I grew up Catholic, and it is it's really fascinating. I grew up with permission to question, but not encouraged in the way that you did. I I, I kind of say looking back that I grew up confused because I grew up in the Caribbean and in the Dominican Republic, and my father who was um, Irish Catholic. And my mom, who is Dominican and her, my Dominican family, my grandmother, it was all Catholicism. But my mother was atheist. So I would go to my Catholic schools with nuns and they would teach me all the Bible stuff. And of course, the first communion, all those things that you're talking about. And I would come back and tell my mom what I had learned. And my mom would say, that's all made up. Don't believe any of it. So here I'm supposed to be learning these things and reciting them so that I could pass that course or whatever that was. And then on the other hand, I'm like, don't believe that. So I would literally was confused. And it wasn't until much later, because I didn't start my journey till I was 41, when my mom passed away. And then all of my Catholic fears about death came roaring their ugly head. And then that sent me into a dark night of the soul. But it, it really is wonderful to hear that your parents, even though they had that Catholic training, they encouraged you to continue to question and to have have, I guess, your own ideas about life and, and supported that. That's just so beautiful. Yeah. my And my mother was raised Roman Catholic. My father was raised in a Protestant church. And um, he himself later on in life became a licensed minister. You know, he was a substitute minister, lay minister, what have you. And um, he had very, very, very strong opinions about a very literal interpretation of the Bible. 
And even as a kid, I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. I just like, that's great. Like I can appreciate that that is a package that totally inspires you to live a good life. And that's what it's all about. Look, I don't care what your beliefs are as long as you intend to live a good, good life. Right. And um, so we would completely disagree like 180 degrees and so he was the first person that taught me, like, you don't have to agree on your beliefs. But my father was more of a model of how to live a good life than probably anybody that I know. Because he was such a good man. I mean, those were words that I shared with him on his deathbed, literally. You know, it's like, look, you know, being my father is just one little piece. That's one tiny little role in this life of all of this service that you've done, all of these people you've impacted. And it's just one piece of the entire man that you are. And you were a good man. Like he was a complete model of living a good life. So my parents even came from very, as yours, you know, came from very different views, different upbringings, different um I would say, you know, expectations from what to receive from a religious standpoint. And my mother probably pulled away from the church because of her upbringing. And my father got closer and closer to the church as he got older, you know, because of his. So it's so it's fascinating to me, the dynamics that happen within all of us. What matters to us? What is our belief system? Do we even have one? It's okay if we don't have one either, right? I want to know less about what you're so what you so think the truth is, and I want to know what you're going to do when you take your next step. Like who are you going to be when you're walking down the street? Who are you going to be when you're walking in the store? Who are you going to be when you have to pick up the phone and have a you know, challenging conversation? Who are you going to be when you show up for, you know, when you walk in your door after a day of work or meeting your spouse or your children or your parents or whatever? Like, that's what I want to know. So, yeah, very fascinating. It is, it is fascinating. And, you know, what, it, in essence, that has become my truth is that through all of this, this journey, the truth has become, am I going to be the presence of what I have found out, discovered, experience is who I am. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's that I am, I'm an expression of, of love. That's all that it is. Right. What is a loving creator created all of us to love each other? And how we got to the state that we're in the world in today, where there's so much hate, so much division is because we have forgotten that we were created to love one another. And every religion teaches that every philosophy has that thread of truth in all of it. So it's really fascinating how because of my years of coaching, that's what I'm watching as a pattern. Everybody is making their way through unraveling the ways that they forgot to be the presence of love. Um, so what got you into wanting to be a teacher, a, a shaman? Did you start that right away? I mean, as, as you were growing up, knowing that you were talking to the trees, you were one with everything. I, so I did have that awareness when I was, when I was very young. Um, I think, so for me, I got into the shamanic path and, you know, it's interesting because, uh, for a long time, for, for a few, um, 
months, I would say, Bob would say, well, Shannon's a shaman. And I'm like, no, I'm not a shaman. I'm a shamanic practitioner. I'm an apprentice. We're all apprentices because we're all trying to figure it out. And one of my teachers is very, very clear about that. And he's like, we're all apprenticing. No matter how much training you have, can we ever figure it out as a human? So I'm always very, very particular about saying, calling myself a shamanic practitioner because I'm practicing just as much as everybody else. I am just using different tools in my own way and my own gifts to serve others throughout through the process. But I got into the shamanic path because um, in, I got my life coaching certification in 2011. 2011, 2012, I probably finished it in 2012. And, um, and through working with people through life coaching process, I want, I'm a fixer. I am a, like, I want to resolve everything or I want to do as much as I can to help somebody realize the resolve is within them, I should say. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, through life coaching clients and seeing these patterns and everything, it's like, well, you can, we can talk about your patterns, but I wanted to do something about it. Energetically, my, you know, it's like, why are they there? I want to know why they're there. I want to, I to go back to understanding so my parents, like, okay, it's great that you recognize that, but understand it. So, um, I got, into the shamanic path because I wanted to, in that moment, give um, clients an option. Okay, do energetically, do we want to work on that? Are you ready to work on that? Are you ready to release that? Are you ready to change that pattern? You know, because it can be an emotional process. You know, it can be or it can't be. You know, who 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 knows how it's actually going to work out? Um, so I started to see a shaman myself. And in the office, um, I went in for an appointment one day and I picked up the paper and one side of it was English and one side of it was Quechuan. And my shamanic um, teaching is all, is all different Peruvian lineages. And, um, and I picked up the paper and Quechuan is the language that the Caro people of the Andes speak. And I started looking at the paper and understanding and reading it in my mind and understanding the Quechuan. And when I realized that I wasn't reading English, of course, then my human self came in and it was like, oh, wait, what am I don't <laughs> reading? And, you know, and, and the shamanic practitioner who I was seeing just kind of like shook his head. He was like, mm, yeah, so take note. Take note. <laughs> you have to decide what you're going to do with that, but take note. You know, I've seen it. I, I you know, so, um, so I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a package that people can recognize that I can then offer. And so I then dove into pulling up a lot of memories of my childhood and the connections and some of my spirit guides and, you know, that unseen world that I was really connected with as a child. Um, and I still had a couple spirit guides that I, I was aware of that I knew were always around and I had a relationship with them, but I started to dive in to develop those more and more and more. And at some point, it was just like, you have got to start incorporating this. 
it's so important to incorporate this into your life coaching practice because this is what's going to do exactly what you want to do to energetically shift at the soul level these patternings and things that sometimes we're not even aware of. You know? Absolutely. You know, the reason I, I call this program Align with Lina is because I like to use these conversations to help people see that ordinary people like you, like me, We've undergone some type of a process that has helped us align with the unseen world, because that's really what what for me is what this whole awakening process is, that there is so much that we have not been taught is out there, that there is so much that we have not been taught we have access to. And here you're talking about your spirit guides. I, you know, growing up in the Dominican, specifically because our island is shared with Haiti, and even though we were Catholic and we had saints and we were told to talk to the saints. So in essence, the saints are unseen beings. Absolutely. But we were so discouraged from the unseen world because we had Haiti next door and they practiced voodoo and everything that they did was, you know, the unseen spirits. So that was part of my confusion growing up. How can I have these saints, but yet I can't talk to them because then that makes me a voodoo person. So a lot of confusion when my mom passed away and I was experiencing the fear of death. And as I was experiencing the fear of death, I began to hear a voice. I began to hear guidance that was helping me walk through that fear. And it became really clear, very, very clear, very early on that I was listening to the guidance of Jesus. And obviously that was familiar for me because I grew up with that Catholic upbringing. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was about the only thing from the Bible that I that I really felt a, a connection to, even from as a little girl. Everything else didn't make sense. A punishing God, a punishing father, a virgin mother. Um, it, so many things did not make sense. But Jesus, his message, the pureness of Jesus, it made sense. Mm -hmm. So as I am connecting with that voice in the midst of a torrential uh, tsunami of fears. I mean, I had all of this fear of going to hell and burning forever and all of the things that I had done because mom's death made, made it really clear. I'm going to die one day up until then. I thought I was never going to die. Yeah. You know, don't think that. So tell me about you connecting with your spirit guides and how that helped you align with the unseen world. Mm. Um, so I, you know, like I said, I, I've had a couple guides and, and an angel that has always been with me that I've always recognized was there, were there. Um, and I'll be honest with you, even before I had a package, right, the shamanic package, if you will, that, you know, I could put things into, you know, in some explanatory way, um, uh, when I worked for the DOD, I worked in counterterrorism and I would, I worked crazy hours and DOD, you mean Department of Defense. Yeah. And international programs. So I, and I was single, so I would send all my guys home to be with their families and I would, you know, stick around and all this stuff. And, and, um, I would go in on the weekends and do ceremony in my office. I would call in the dragons. I would do clearings. I had crystals hidden in my desk. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. So my connection um, 
has kind of been there. But when I don't, it's like when I, it's like anything, when you make that decision, everything starts to pop up so deliberately and so palpably. And um, so diving in with the, with my spirit guides for me was one, it was very familiar. Um, it was very emotional at first because I recognized so many of the energies yeah. as a child. So I could, I could go back to my childhood and remember certain things and certain connections. Um, but for me, I, God, it's, it's an interesting question because diving in makes you feel so expansive yeah, and so tiny at the same time. Um, I heard somebody say the, uh, just a few weeks ago, I heard somebody and it cracked me up. I'd never heard this phrase before. Um, well, that's tiny as a minute. That, that's just as tiny as a minute. And I, I started laughing. I wasn't even in the conversation. I was walking by and I was like, that's a hilarious statement. I've never heard that before. And that's how I, that, that's how I could describe it. It's like you feel this expansion because it's, it's like all of a sudden that veil is so thin and your world, what you believe is your reality just got massively, infinitely large. <laughs> right? Yes. In a moment, you realize that you're as tiny as a minute in this, in, in this big, thing that we think is reality that we believe the only truth that we know as we can sit here right and all of a sudden that stuff that you thought was out there keeps getting bigger and bigger and you realize you're part of it <laughs> but what part of it am i i'm just a drop in this big sea you know and but i'm part of that big sea too so it was such a Gosh, it was such an interesting journey to go, gosh, you know, you can feel as big as you want to feel and as little as you want to feel. And then applying that to situations in life, right? Like when we're celebrating, we can feel so grand and so special and so important. And so all these crazy words that we want to put on describe something. And in those times of trauma and those times that kind of send us to our knees, we can feel so alone and so hurt and so sad and so um, small. You know, you, as you're saying that, I, I went directly to one of my favorite quotes and it's the Rumi quote that you're not the ocean. You are a drop with a whole ocean in you. And, you know, and that, that description made so much sense, even though I had heard that quote many, many years earlier. I mean, since I was little, my mom used to be a big uh, fan of poetry. So I grew up literally, my mom used to read poetry to us instead of children's books. So I, I grew up with so many of the mystics as the truths that that got planted in my mind. However, those things didn't make sense until I started having my own experience. But when I had my encounter in 2007, where which is what, what I call my awakening, the start of my awakening, before that I was becoming self-aware and there was a process that was happening that was preparing me. But when I had that encounter and I knew myself as one with a creator and 
I was one with all that is, but yet I still held that individualized uh, presence. I realized what that quote meant, that you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop that Rumi talked about. That's when I realized I was entering into a world of paradox. And I had to live at that intersection where things that that wouldn't make sense to other people became my truths. And that's when I began to realize, yes, I am this individualized aspect of the creator bringing what the creator is to all the other individualized aspects. And that's when I realized the creator is the presence of love. Where am I not being loved? Where am I not being loving with others as part of the whole? But more importantly, where am I not being loving to myself? Because that's when I began to realize that this individual aspect had forgotten that I was love. And I had to do the cleaning up of all of the conditioning that activated a sense of smallness that wouldn't let me feel my oneness with all that is. And did you feel some of that, that as you were connecting with your guides, as you're going through your shamanic journeying, you you're realizing that as a child, even though your parents sound wonderful, so were mine the conditioning that I received was that I really was small and I wasn't how God created me, that I was small and insignificant and I had to work really hard to become somebody and prove myself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I, um, hmm. I think for me, um, I'll be honest, the expectations that I lived up to were self-imposed, truly. And it's, you know, it's part of what I understand is, you know, what I brought in for my soul's lesson, you know. Um, And I, you know, my expectations of, well, my confidence, I always had confidence. I always was so interested in trying so many different things because I wanted to see if I really liked something. So my parents were really good about encouraging me to participate in things. But if I decided that it really wasn't for me, I didn't get that, oh, you have to keep with it. It's like, okay, you know, and not irresponsibly. I wanted to know, like, I really wanted to know. I can't say I like or dislike something unless I actually experience it. So. probably my conditioning was more of my own stuff, more so than anything else, Um, until probably, you know, when I was, you know, into my later teens. And then I started like, oh, well, maybe this is what you're supposed to do. Maybe you are just supposed to, you know, get, get this job and you're supposed to do this, you know, this is the way it's supposed to happen, you know, about these life things. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I, in my mid twenties, I experienced a big, um, kind of, you know, milestone event of my life. And, um, it kind of broke a lot of patterning and a lot of, even the beliefs that I, you know, created only just a couple years before or whatever, it really sent me into a deeper understanding, a deeper desire to understand something more. And then it 
took about 10 years, maybe 12 years after that until I was done listening to other people's recommendations and I found, you know, my true, 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 true path. Yes. And I, I definitely want to um, uh, make sure that I clarify something. All of my limited thinking did not come from other people, but I, I was raised with the primary belief that I'm a sinner. And that set into motion a lot of, of my own self-imposed limitations and my desire to break through that and, mm -hmm. and become defiant and, and do all of those things. So I firmly believe that I created my own um, ideas of who I was, even though so much of it was instilled at a very young age when I was immature and I did not know that I didn't have to believe certain things like uh, what I was told about, a, you know, a woman needed to be and what I was told I, sh I should do when I became a mom. So a lot of those things were definitely picked up from the environment, but they became mine because I'm the one who was agreeing with them and then deciding how I was going to prove myself and how I was going to succeed and and all of that. But during that that 10 year journey that you said you went through and all of those years of, of when you started that milestone moment, um, what were some of the things that you were discovering that were really profound that then sent you on that path to become a teacher for others? Yeah, I um, I was so fortunate. My um, I was very close with my aunt uh, growing up and. Um, she had introduced me to Edgar Casey and his institute in Virginia Beach. Um, in my late teens, you know, I had, um, she took me to some energy workers, you know, she took me to a medium um, when I would visit her through college and um, after college and things like that. So. And I picked up my first book on Reiki when I was in my mid twenties, um, reflexology. So it kind of started with something that was, uh, really from a, from, I would say some physical things and, um, how to address those things, which then opened the book over that 10 year, 10, 12 year period to all of these other things that um, have come into play. Um, breath work is a big tool. Um, you know, uh, being, I know in my 20s, I also, th through some support from my aunt or some, I would say, um, instigation, if you will, introduction from my aunt, um, got into the chakras and mm -hmm. that kind of level of understanding very, very basic level, got kind of got what I needed at that time. But then that has turned into a very, um, I mean, my husband and I do a, a workshop, a journey through the chakras to really, really get in touch with what those energies are. Um, some other tools that I know have been very helpful for me on a spiritual path is the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's such fascinating uh, discernment process. Yes. Uh, and that's another tool. Uh, music has always been very, very important to me. I grew up playing the piano, singing, you know, all it was, that was my go-to. And 
it was very, very particular uh, as far as my choice of music that I listened to, music that I chose that I wanted to sing. Um, it wasn't just like, hey, go with the crowd, you know, it's yeah. very important. So th there are so many different tools. And now, you know, I, I know if I don't do my kind of what I have, what has become a daily ritual for me from, you know, you can call it shamanic, you can call it whatever you want. It's my own personal, this is what centers me. This is what aligns me. This is what reminds me of the truth, not just my truth. I want to get beyond what my, I think my beliefs are. And I want to just feel the truth that was here before we created this crazy alphabet and pictures and tried to put languages in place and to describe all this stuff like what was really that truth nature does it for me animals you know animals are uh have always been a really really deep connection for me so no that's beautiful you know so much of what you're talking about is really connecting with that unseen world but that we feel it because when you begin to work with energy and, and I've done energy training and actually I did energy training after <laughs> um, people were telling me that I was doing energy work on them. And I was like, I am. But what begins to happen uh, as my experience has been, we, we are going into this inner world that is deep, deep and vast and and it's all felt you you feel your way through it and then you know when you align with it and when you don't but things like the chakras and going to mediums and reiki and and music i mean you have to feel that you you have to feel that i'm a dancer i'm not i'm not a singer i'm not a uh, i don't play any instruments as a matter of fact i took uh, guitar lessons when i was a little girl and i took the lessons at this big big area where they had dancing on one side, music on the other, poetry. I mean, it, it was a big, I, oh, I can't even remember the name of it. But anyhow, the teacher that I was taking guitar lessons from knew that I also took dance and had seen me dancing for years. So after a couple of lessons, he told my grandmother, you know, Doña, that's what they called, you know, the respectful name for a woman don't waste your money on, on these guitar lessons. Just put her in more dance lessons because I can feel rhythm in uh, every dance partner that I've ever danced with. Just about every one of them tells me, oh my gosh, you're always on, on the beat. Yeah. I can feel it, but do not ask me about music, about what notes me. I don't understand any of that. And I cannot sing to carry a tune to save my life, but I can feel it. So entering into that world that I began to feel, oh my gosh, it just absolutely transformed me, but not until I began to feel all of the discomforts that blocked me from ever wanting to go to that world because that world of feeling is the world I was running away from because I didn't want to feel my pain. I didn't want to feel the abandonments and the rejections that I, I experienced as a child. I didn't want to feel those fears. And I realized that for me to feel the truth that, that you, like you so beautifully said, was here before we had an alphabet, 
to feel that truth, I had to feel through the blocks to it. I had to find my way through those old emotions that never got fully experienced because I was so quick to to block them and reject them and put on my happy face and and um, not let them see me sweat. <laughs> so I want to comment on that because I, you know, a lot of people will come at that, right? Because we all do it. We, we you know, we get in a situation and all of a sudden, boom, you know, we can feel the hair in the back of our neck stand up and we're like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? And, and on, in, in, it's survival, right? I, I mean, we have a beautiful tool that our soul knows for survival. And that is what's the priority in this moment, right? We're in an emotional conflict, trauma, whatever. We can't worry about our physical body. All we, all we can do in that moment is take care of our emotional body and hopefully come back to the rest of that moment later and process it through, which is what the native cultures did. They didn't allow somebody to have this transforming moment, whether it be ecstatically good or ecstatically bad, if we have to describe it. Those transformative moments, something gets left behind because oh, yeah only focus on one thing. We break our leg. We know we have to go get a cast on this thing because my physical body needs that to heal. And my physical body then will know what to do. The emotional side of it, I can't deal with it right now. That's okay. That's a beautiful thing because if not, we'd all be walking around with a bunch of crooked legs because, you know, right. Because we wouldn't take care of it. So that is a beautiful thing. What culturally we don't do anymore is within a short period of time, go back to that moment energetically and feel through every aspect of that moment to release the moment so that we're not patterned. So our life experiences after that aren't patterning us to go back to it because our soul's going, hey, you didn't do the work back here. <laughs> we got to go back there. So I'm going to keep sending you this to tell you I'm reminding you, you got to do this. You got to do this, you know? So for me, I, I, you know, that's, that's soul retrieval from a shamanic perspective. That's the soul retrieval. Go back to the moment and make sure we're clearing that energetically fully. So Absolutely. That uh, say that again, because I didn't hear the last thing you said. Which is so that pattern can, can be released. Absolutely. Experience it because our soul's going, ah, you didn't get it the first time, you know? Yes. And, you know, the first time we were children, we're immature. We don't have the tools. We are raised by unconscious parents who are not in touch or not aware. Whatever the circumstance may be, that, that irritation later on in life is that invitation to come back in. Mm -hmm. and and feel it and experience it and those to me were the blocks to feeling the truth of who I am to feel the essence of of my soul um to find my strength and my courage and and my really my transparency my authenticity yeah share with me you learn all of this, you discover all of this because you feel it, and then you begin to 
share this with others because that that's what happened to me. I, a lot of the work in me, although a lot of my work continued as I was teaching, because even though I call myself a teacher and actually I teach a lot from A Course in Miracles, I call myself a teacher of it, but it's only because I'm still a student of it, as you were talking about being a practitioner earlier. And I will forever be a student of of what more is there, because in an infinite world, I cannot possibly know all that is is available. So I continue to be a student while I teach. It's amazing. Every every session is always note to self. It's just really amazing. But share some of the things that you have discovered through being a teacher um, that might be patterns in in your clients, because I see patterns in in my clients, my students, and it, it would be helpful if you share some of the patterns that you see. I share some of the patterns. Maybe we're seeing the same patterns to help the listeners kind of have an idea of kind of what to expect, because what I have found all of the work that I teach is because I want to give people a roadmap. I know that you can get from, you know, Georgia to New York in a million different ways. But if you have a roadmap, it just makes the navigation a little smoother. Now, not everybody's going to use the same roadmap and not everybody wants a roadmap. But to me, that's what the patterns help me create a roadmap. I like it now because I've learned from others roadmaps that they have left. But what are some patterns that you see with your clients? Mm. Um, I would say the biggest one is not, well, there's a few there, you know, one is societally, I would say we're not taught to feel mm-hmm. we're, you know, suck it up, deal with it, move on. Okay. That's done. Let's, yeah, we, we're very, we can very much compartmentalize and depending on your personality that happens in different ways. So, um, um, being able to, first of all, accept and recognize that we can feel feeling is not emoting, right? It's not putting the energy of that feeling in motion, Mm -hmm. not, not emotion onto other people. Yeah. Um, so it's okay to feel it. Um, the patterns that I recognize is that most people don't. Um, and if we can't sit in the moment and feel something completely, we can't ask ourselves the question or that feeling the question, what are you trying to show me? Why are you showing up? I recognize you. I appreciate that you're trying to send me some kind of message. Let me sit and let it wash through me. Pema Chodron um, does, you know, she's like, she, she's um, one of her teachings. She says, um, you know, we have to be more like a dog. You know, we're so conditioned to just like want to go, go, go. But sometimes you just have to stay, stay, stay in that moment and feel it. It doesn't mean you have to become it. It just, when we feel it, we can allow it to wash through us. So the, the ability and the recognition that it's time to feel. Yeah, I love you bringing that up because as we've all heard in, in the spiritual circles, you got to feel it to heal it. And that is absolutely one of the biggest, um, it, it's that double-edged sword. It's, a, it's an obstacle to growth. And on the other side is, is the doorway to growth because it's like you're moving 
just as you and I had talked about before, we have stored experiences that we couldn't process in the past. We didn't have the language. We didn't have the awareness. We didn't have the maturity. And we have created a life of running away from that in this society where it's so easy to numb out. It's normal to not feel. There, there's always something that's easily uh, used to distract us from feeling. But how do you help people feel? What, what are some of the tips that you could give somebody to just get in touch with that old experience that is calling you? If it's, if it's repeating, it wants to be seen. It wants to be heard. It wants to be acknowledged. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, in session work, the, the journeying, the shamanic journeying is... Um, for me, a, a huge tool. Um, and many times uh, it's me journeying on behalf of, of the client because maybe the situation is too much. So, you know, if I journey on behalf of them while they're journeying um, on, they don't necessarily, let me go back there for you and let me see what I can resolve energetically with the help of my spirit guides and everything else that's coming in. And at the same time, they're journeying um, about the same topic. And amazingly, when you come out of that journey, when you set that intention to clear that and you come out of that journey together, those journeys are always enmeshed. The information that's shared during those journeys is always enmeshed. Um, and I, I often say this about the shamanic journey. We never question our dreams. When we wake up in the morning, we're like, we'll call 10 of our friends. Oh my gosh, guess what dream I had last night? What do you think this means? I got to pull out the analysis books. I got to, you know, and we never question what happens in our dreams because we know we recognize our dreams as a part of our subconscious that's coming up to tell us something. And we have to kind of piece that together. And unfortunately, we've been taught that when something comes into our consciousness, when we're in a meditative state or we're fully awake or we're walking down the street or we're on the couch watching football. I don't know. We're taught to question those things though. It's just your imagination. And from a shamanic perspective, everything comes in for a reason. Absolutely. Is there to tell you something. So feeling I, for many, um, I, I believe for many people starts as a recognition that when something comes in, don't ignore it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're taught to do. Uh, you know, a, a kid that is seeing, feeling something strange, you know, energetically, maybe they do see something, maybe they do hear voices. I don't, you know, wh whatever the case is. Oh, it's not real. Just go back to bed. You know, it's not real. There's nothing here. See, flip on the light. Yeah. That, that's what we're taught. And so in those moments where something pops in that you just can't deny, you know, it's not about the grocery list at the end of the day. I mean, you know, when something pops in that makes you stop in your tracks, <laughs> it's like, why did that just come to me? Perfect. Stop. Why did that just come to me? Yeah, because it will take you somewhere. 
it will always guide you to what needs to be experienced. And um, so the shamanic journey is a big piece for certain. Uh, yes, I, I remember early on in my journey, I, I had the privilege of working with several different shamans and going on on journeys. One, I went with my son, he and I participated in this retreat, and it was just so beautiful. And just that was a big piece in me becoming comfortable entering into my discomfort. Because up until then, I want to run away from the discomfort. Like you were saying, we're we're trained from a very young age. I remember telling my daughter um, and my sons, you know, get over that. Stop, stop the crying. Stop the whatever. Because I had heard that. My parents said that to me many, many times. Um, I remember hearing the famous thing that people my age heard. Um, you know, st stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. So it's like, you know, you're feeling this discomfort, this whatever it is as a child. And then all of a sudden you got to pull it in. You got to suck it up right. and don't feel it. Don't process it. So the beginning parts of, of working with clients who have not worked with somebody else, if I have somebody who's already done some work, they can dive right into the feelings. But if they haven't, if this is new, Developing, cultivating a relationship with our feelings is just such an incredible necessary first step to realize that it, it's the awareness that you have them and then the acceptance that they're there uh, is necessary to begin to enter into the shift that's possible once we have nurtured that aspect of ourselves, that three-year-old in us that is crying for attention or that eight-year-old or that 25-year-old that just want somebody to validate that their experience was true for them. It doesn't mean it's a true experience as in you're, you know, you felt rejected and that you are somebody worthy of being rejected, but it felt true to them in that moment. And to not honor that that being powerful being is making a decision about themselves that hurts them to not stand there and honor that the power of creation was used to, what, what the Course of Miracles would say, miscreate an identity that is not true about who we are, but it is taken on as, yeah, there's something wrong with me. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. Those imprints, we don't want to go back and feel that. We spend so much time avoiding it. But once you get your, your clients through these shamanic journeys to feel, then what are other things that you see that help them move on their journey or, or that maybe block them, that, that sabotage them? Yeah, the sabotaging part is so critical. We tell ourselves so many stories from all of our experiences, you know, whether it be a simple criticism, you know, from third grade art class or, um, you know, okay, well, I'm, I can't, you know, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. I can't whatever. Um, down to, um, you know, if you believe in past lives, if you believe that um, the soul can enter into a new body, uh, things that have been carried from other lives. Yeah. And, and boy, sometimes those are, those are the big ones, you know, because I always say energetically, if we didn't take care of it before and your soul carries it and the unresolved is carried, you know, your body might go away, but your soul still carries that, that unresolved. So it can't do anything, but bring it into this lifetime. Um, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of the other, you know, sabotaging 
beliefs, I would say, is that we don't think we deserve things. Oh, yeah. Many people are, you know, and me included, you know, I'm not immune to any of this, right? Ditto. <laughs> we don't, well, I'll, I can't, I can't have that. I, you know, that's beyond me or that's just for other people or somewhere we were taught that we don't deserve things. And, you know, we teach in our breathwork class, you know, we ask the question, what did you do to deserve your next breath? Nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's a gift. That means that every breath that you receive is a gift. Yes. And if that's not mind blowing, just that simple shift of, you know, paradigm shift that then you deserve everything. If you don't deserve your, if you don't do anything to deserve your next breath, you don't have to do anything to deserve anything else in life because that is the only thing that is keeping you in this body. You know, and that's what's so amazing that that we don't deserve has us think that we're this drop um, and the a drop of the ocean, not realizing that we have access to the ocean. I kind of want to turn things around on this conversation here towards the end um, of our time together because I want I want you to share a little bit. Go ahead. I might have to plug in my phone. I apologize. My, no. I just got the a little reminder that said your phone's running out. <laughs> no, go go for it. Do you want to do that now? I will. I'll do it before because you're changing direction. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Hey, Bill, thanks. I'm glad that you're enjoying um, our discussion here. It's really a lot of fun to to be able to talk to to Shannon about her experience and also to be able to talk kind of teacher to teacher and student to student, students of truth about some of these patterns that we experience and that that avoidance of feeling is so big. And then, of course, that idea that we're limited, that is also a biggie. That that definitely keeps us from being able to open up to the more that is possible for us when we enter into this place of thinking we're just this little drop in the ocean and not the ocean itself. But where I kind of wanted to, um, to shift the direction a little bit here is because Shannon, you brought up this idea of uh, kind of reincarnation. So whatever we don't work through in this in this particular lifetime is going to stay with us. Right. So right now we're in the midst of a pretty uh, contentious time. There's a lot that's coming up to the surface. And I, I firmly believe that as within, so without. So what we're seeing manifested outside of us is reminds me of all the dark night that I went through internally mm -hmm. the turmoil. and I, like you, totally, completely agree that if we don't clean things up now, if we don't heal that, we're going to bring it into the next lifetime. Absolutely. And humanity is in the midst of this major opportunity for awakening on a mass level. So share just your thoughts about what are, what are you sensing that is happening that at a soul level, you could give us, you know, some hints, some ideas, how to embrace what is getting activated so that we can all collectively help each other ascend to, to a new level of consciousness. So when we return, when we incarnate, we will have moved 
through the the sense of limitation that I'm that just a drop and accept more of the ocean that is really the truth of our of who we are. We are unlimited. Right. Um, I'm I'm trying to package this in a way that uh, it's a big question. I know it is a big question. And when you go back to the soul level, I, my belief is that the soul, our souls are constantly, constantly screaming for us to remember the truth of what it actually is for us, the collective truth, recognizing that what is showing up on the surface of the earth that we call this reality at this moment (laughs) is a representation of what is in every single one of us. And I believe we try and, again, here we are, we try to compartmentalize, right? Yeah. And say, well, well, I don't think that, or I don't do that, or, okay, you might not behaviorally choose to do those things, but I would challenge that there isn't a piece of you that hasn't thought about it, hasn't rooted for the, the, you know, the evil behaviors for somebody getting, you know, revenge in a movie or something. So we connect with all of it as much as we don't want to admit. Yeah. And I think our soul at the soul level, our souls are screaming for us to recognize that we'll heal it when we accept that it's the shift within us that's going to collectively shift everything across the board. Um, and, and I think that's, that's why we're here and that's why we're doing the work. I, you know, you use the word love. I think we're all, you know, Marion Williamson, right? Return to love. She wrote that book how many years ago? And I believe that's what we're all trying to do in different drastic measures we're all trying to figure out how to do that and we've gotten mm, disillusioned by the you know culture by whatever we you know want to blame it on Um, and we've become disillusioned that it doesn't exist in every single thing and that every single thing can't be transformed into it being love. Yes, and, and it is a, a beautiful thing to me, what is happening, because it is, just as you and I were talking about individually, we have to go back and feel those places, that discomfort, that that inability to, to be okay being who we are, the the whole world is experiencing that we have been conditioned to not be okay being who we are and deep down inside as as individual drops of the same one ocean there is a yearning for oneness there is a yearning for connection there is a yearning to accept really that we're we're really more the same than what we are different yeah. um 
And that ability to respect differences is going to come from our being okay with with our own stuff so that we can have, I think you you started saying this earlier, develop that empathy and that compassion for others. Because once that that's one of the beautiful th- things for me about being a teacher for all these years, what I have discovered is that everybody is feeling really deeply the same fears, the same discomforts, the same, I'm not enough, I'm not valuable, I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy. And if we could all get to the place that we realize that we all just want to be seen for who we are and accepted, well, that's going to happen when we can begin to see others and accept them for who they are. And so we have to move past the conditioning that says you're just a Democrat or a Republican, you're, you're black or you're white, you're this religion, Catholic, or you're Jewish. And begin to go to the places where we're all the same. We, we all have the same essence, um, same desire to just be ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that that you were saying that, is that, that return to love. So let's take the last couple of minutes and share with people, because you have so many gifts, so many talents, you and Bob uh, teach so much. Um, people can find you. Let me see. It's at speakmypassion.com. That's your website, correct? That's my website, yeah. All right. So that's speakmypassion.com. Um, what are some of the things that you guys do that folks can connect with you and take advantage of? Hmm. Well, um, just a few weeks, actually. We have our first retreat for this year. Um, we uh, lead weekend retreats, which integrate Bob's music. Um, it integrates the breath work. It integrates different teachings and shamanic ceremony into create you know creativity and into an entire weekend experience of uh, that we call boldly going nowhere <laughs> because nowhere is now here so uh-huh. it's that reminder to come back into the present moment and um, connect to that truth that's within ourselves but also to connect to the truth that's within others because it's amazing what happens with a group of people over a weekend is you realize oh my goodness your truths are my truths and oh my goodness what's going on here (laughs) so um we have one coming up in maryland this month um at the end of the month on 25th through 27th and then we're doing one on saint simon's island in january which is um near uh, it's about an hour north of Jacksonville off the coast of Georgia, southern Georgia, um, the 10th, 11th, and 12th of January. Um, and that's January 2020. 2020, yeah. Yes. Um, we have our breathwork class that's available online. It's actually at practicalbreathwork.com. Um, we do concerts and workshops all over the country. We travel about half the year. Um, I see clients when I'm on the road and I see clients remotely. So beautiful. Yeah. So it's, um, so we keep ourselves quite busy. (laughs) You guys are spreading all that love, spreading all that healing. And as Bill said, this, this has been such a great discussion. It's, uh, so awesome that you took the time to to be here with me. Um, and now people can find you at speakmypassion.com and uh, find out all the wonderful things that you offer. And, and yes, that's one of the beautiful things about this kind of work. You can do it remotely. I know I do so much of my client um, 
appointments as calls. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so thank you for being here. Let me share with the audience what's coming up next week. I'm going to have Michael Burke as my guest on the next episode of Align with Lina. And he is a poet. He is truly uh, a, a Rumi incarnate in this lifetime. His poetry is just so beautiful, but he has gone through his own transformation, his own awakening, aligning with the truth of who he is, returning to love, as we were um, saying earlier. And he's going to be just a fabulous guest. And I have uploaded my first online course, and it's a it's a complimentary course. It's called The Soul's Journey. So you can go to my website, linaorlando.com. That's L-A-I-N-A. O-R-L-A-N-D-O.com. And you can register to receive that, that six part, what I call a masterclass. It's a pretty extensive video series that will walk you through the six phases that our, our soul goes through as we journey from conception to enlightenment, as was given to me by my guides to teach. And like I said, it's complimentary. So make sure you take advantage of that. And Shannon, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And it's time to say goodbye. And remember, whatever path leads you to your truth, just embrace it and go all the way through. Because if you take a deep dive, we're all going to end up in the same place. We're all going to remember that we truly are made of love to be love, loving and to embrace all that is. And then have fun on this playground once we all realize that we're here to to love each other. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you.